Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. The Gospel for this weekend is probably very familiar for most of us. The quotes are all too familiar. In fact, many of us have probably used these quotes from this Gospel passage in which Jesus says, You cannot serve both God and mammon, or learn from the lilies of the field, or seek first the kingdom. Now it's important for us to realize where we are in the Gospel. We're still listening to Jesus teach the Sermon on the Mount. If you look at Matthew's Gospel, chapters 5, 6, and 7, it's Jesus teaching his Sermon on the Mount. Well, the Gospel passage for this weekend is from chapter 6. Now, the beauty of this is the fact that, essentially, week after week, for about four or five weeks, we have been picking up exactly where we left off week after week. Now, this is really is a liturgical treasure. In fact, it's very unique. Normally, throughout the liturgical year, we take gospel passages sporadically. Sometimes a passage will come from the beginning of a gospel. The next week, it will come from the end of a gospel. And so, it's hard to learn exactly what Jesus is teaching us. But, over the past several weeks, we've been listening to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And the beauty of it is that each successive week picks up where we left off in the previous week. And so we are very fortunate. I would say this is because primarily because Lent is so late this year. And yet the readings cut to the heart of our faith. Jesus, his language is very direct. It's not ambiguous. He's leaving no doubts, no uncertainties. Now remember last week's gospel. Last week's gospel was Jesus teaching us on how we should treat one another. Remember, Jesus says we must love all people, including our enemies. So the teaching last week was how we are to relate to one another. Well, the gospel passage for this weekend now teaches us how we are to relate to God, how a relationship with God is going to continue or what it looks like and the requirements of it. Now, Jesus tells us from the very beginning of the passage that God wants to be at the center of our lives. Therefore, we must do just that. And yet, it still is a choice for us all. God loves us so much that he gives us free will. Free will to accept God as the center of our life or to accept something else. But, Nonetheless, we have to accept the consequences of our choice. Essentially, we have to accept the terms of Christianity. And that's what Jesus is laying out here in the Gospel, the terms of our relationship with God. Now notice in the Gospel, Jesus uses very vivid imagery. For example, he says, Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns. 
Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more important than they? Well, here Jesus is using this great image of birds and comparing us to them. Now, what is he really getting at? Well, we've all seen birds. In fact, we see them every day almost. In parking lots, in parks, maybe near bodies of water. They're constantly scavenging, right? Looking for food. Well, what Jesus is getting at is the birds, they're not hunters. They don't take out weapons, go into woods and hunt for other animals. They're not farmers. They don't plant crops. So how do birds survive? Well, they rely upon nature, don't they? They rely upon nature to provide the food, to provide the seeds or the fruit or whatever the birds eat. So they rely upon that. So Jesus is telling us, we too must be like the birds. We must rely upon God to provide all things in our life, including life itself. You know, we often use that expression, God will provide. Well, if we truly believe that, then we completely rely upon God for everything, including life itself. Well, if we have that complete reliance upon God, then God truly is at the center of our life. And that's what Jesus is getting at through that analogy. Again, Jesus, he uses distinctive words, distinctive imagery to help us maybe see the spiritual life in a different way. Now, notice what he says next. No one can serve two masters. If he does, he will love one and hate the other. So Jesus here is getting at what is the master of our life? What is our life centered around? Or what is the ultimate good in our life? Who or what is the master of our life? Or maybe turn the question around. To who or what are we enslaved to? Now realize Everyone has desires. Everyone in this world has desires. The desires for success, the desires to, for fame, fortune, notoriety, power, honor, whatever it is. But there's always one predominant desire. Well, Jesus knows that. In fact, he knows our human condition since he took it on himself. What Jesus wants is our first and predominant desire to be for God and always God. See, when we do that, then God truly is at the center of our life. And then all the other things in our life fall into place. All the other things like our marriage, our family, our friends, our neighbors, our job, our career, you know, the responsibilities we have in the community, those all fall into harmony with Jesus at the center of our life. See, then we have purpose, meaning, and fulfillment in life. Now, I'll give you a great example of this. One of the things that I always love to watch is the Tour de France, which always occurs in July. The Tour de France is the great bike race in France. Now, I like bike racing, but one of the things that I like is watching the countryside, especially as these bikers go into these small towns throughout France. Now, the one thing that I pick up always is in these towns, the very center of the town is the Catholic Church. Why is that? Well, for centuries and centuries and centuries, Europe has been predominantly a Catholic, a very Catholic continent, especially France. Now, what's so amazing is that in all of these small towns that these bike riders go through, 
The Catholic Church is at the very center of the town. It's as if when the people started the town, the first thing that they built was the Catholic Church. And then the rest of the town was built around the church. Their houses, their shops, the marketplaces are all around it. That's a telltale sign that those people truly want the Catholic Church and God at the very center of their life. It was at the very center of their towns and their villages. However, if you come to our country, you may not necessarily get that or see that. Yes, you may see that in rural areas of our country, but if you look at some of the major cities in our country, Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, you see that's not the case. Just go to New York, St. Patrick's Cathedral. It's not at the very center of the city of New York, and it's dwarfed by many of the skyscrapers. Look at Chicago. I go to Chicago every summer for my annual retreat at Mundelein Seminary. Chicago, the cathedral there is holy name. It too is one of the smallest buildings in the entire city, and it's not at the heart of Chicago. It's on the west side. In fact, if you look at the three tallest skyscrapers in Chicago, they're all insurance companies. You know, it's a stunning indictment of our culture here in this country. And yet, what does Jesus want? He wants us to be like those small towns in France in which our lives are built around our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, notice what Jesus says next. He says, don't worry and say, what are we to eat? Or what are we to drink? Or where, what are we to wear? Your Heavenly Father knows what you need. Well, we all have worries, and Jesus knows that. He's not naive to that. We all have different worries. We worry about our children. We worry about our parents. We worry maybe about our job. We worry about, can I retire someday? So we do have a lot of worries. We worry about our safety and terrorism. But what Jesus is getting at is we shouldn't allow those worries to preoccupy us such that they consume us. And when that happens, then we are paralyzed by our own fear. We're not fully alive. And God doesn't want that. God wants us to be fully alive. I would argue, life is the greatest gift that God could ever give us. I always say, no one is here by mistake. Each and every one of us has a definitive purpose in life. Pope John Paul II, in World Youth Day, he pointed at his, his finger at thousands of kids at a Mass, and he told them just that. He said, you are all here with a definitive purpose in life, and that purpose is to know God, to love God, and to serve Him. And that's truly what the Gospel is all about. But we have to realize, the whole story of creation is a love story. You know, God created us and this entire universe motivated by love for us and love alone. Thomas Aquinas once said, We were loved into being. We were loved into being created by God. And see, that's what the first reading is getting at. God tells Isaiah, Even if a parent for, should forsake a child, God will never forsake us. He will always love us. That's how powerful God's love is. Well, if we truly believe that, then we all have a natural inclination to want to give our love back to God, to make Him the center of our life. See, when our life is ordered to that, then everything in our life falls into harmony with that. One last thing to think about. 
Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. We'll make Jesus Christ the center of our life. And yet, what's the temptation? Well, to make something else, or to make manna the center of our life. For us, manna in the 21st century can be anything. Fame, fortune, power, notoriety. Well, when we make those things the center of our life, God is pushed off to the periphery. And guess what? We won't know what to do with those things. Fame, fortune, power. We become enslaved to them. I'll give you a great example of this. It occurred just three months after I was ordained a priest in my first assignment. I finished all the Sunday Masses, locked up the church, went back to the rectory. All of a sudden, the doorbell rang. I opened the door, and there was a man standing there in this beautiful Armani suit with Rolex watch. I looked behind his shoulder, and he was driving this beautiful BMW convertible. And he said to me, You know, Father, I know I don't belong to this parish, but I just want to talk to you. Is that okay? I said, Sure. So we sat down at the kitchen table, and he said, You know, Father, I have everything I ever wanted in my life. I'm the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. I've got five houses, six cars, even two planes. I have everything that I ever wanted. Well, me, drawing on my vast experience as a priest for three months, I responded to him by saying, oh, great, I'm very happy for you. And then he looked at me and he said, Father, I'm absolutely miserable, and started crying. Well, here's a person that chose manna versus God. He thought that true happiness was found in planes and cars and houses. And when he had them all, he didn't understand why he was so miserable. Well, I spoke to him about that, how we are basically wired for God. We were created for God to love God. Therefore, we must seek first the kingdom of God. Make God the center of our life. Then everything else in our life will fall into place. And then we will truly have fulfillment, peace, and joy in our life, which is all that God ever wants from us. And may the peace and the grace in Jesus Christ rest upon you always.